Good morning, High Point Church. Please have a seat. We are so grateful you chose to come and worship with the High Point family. To our guests, we're glad that you're here. Please let us know that you are a part of us this week, and we'd love to reach out and connect with you in a soft way. We are continuing our Uncertain series this morning, and I want to share a quick story about promises. In 1942, General Douglas MacArthur was forced to flee the Philippine Islands because of the advancing Japanese army. But before he left, he got together with the leaders there in the Philippines, and he says, I shall return. And sure enough, two years later, MacArthur returned and took back the islands there in the Philippines. He kept his promise. And like MacArthur, we worship a God of promises that extends them and he keeps his promises. So we're going to see in the story of Abraham that even in uncertain times, God is with us, God is for us, God protects us, and God extends promises. Our response, trust and obey. Let's worship together. I got to thinking this week that um, we tend to like the world as like a tight uh, wrapped ball of twine, Uh, but it it seems like if if that's the way we like it, then it looks like a couple of cats have been playing with it for a while, right? Just kind of coming on, or or, uh, another analogy, my brother and I would get a slinky, and the slinky's life is about a day. Because, you know, you'd stack it up before long, we're wrapping around each other. It's all twisted when you have to throw it away. Uh, And I just feel like our our world is kind of coming unglued a little bit, right? And so we find ourselves in uncertain times. So it's important for us to look at Scripture and say, okay, Lord, if if this is what's going on in the horizontal, uh, help us out in the vertical so we can make sense of this. Not only so we're more at ease and more calm, but as was spoken earlier, you know, can we use this as an opportunity to help others say there's a reason why during these uncertain times we got this thing together because of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so if, if there's a character in Scripture that faced more uncertainty in his life, I, I can't think of one more than Abraham. Because Abraham was, was asked to go on a very exciting journey with God But it was going to be an uncertain journey where he didn't know what was going to happen next or where he was going or what was going to be going on. So we first meet Abram at the time, and I'm going to mess this up. It was Abram, then becomes Abraham. Sarai was going to get a name change as well to Sarah. But in the book of Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, we're introduced to Abram, and we're going to find out he's going to be the patriarch. He's going to start it all. God's going to choose him to lead this giant nation and to lead a people called according to him. So he's going to be the father of the Jewish people. He's going to be the father of, of all of Israel, as it will later be called. And, and out of this group of people will also become Jesus the Messiah. And the genesis of all of this becomes for the Christian people all go tie back to Abraham. But if you also look, uh, there's a little side story in there where Abraham becomes the father of Ishmael, who becomes the father of the nation of Islam. So all three of the world's major religions all tie back to Abraham. And so it's no wonder that Paul tells us in Romans 4 and verse 16, 
Abraham, he's the father of us all. So that's the character we're going to be studying about. It's very important we understand and learn from his life. So if, if there were one song to describe the life of Abram, and no, it's not Father Abraham, no, you know, that was just to burn calories when we run out of material uh, during vacation Bible school. But no, there, there was one song, it would be Trust and Obey. Because that's what Abram and Sarai are going to be asked to do. You're, are you with me? Yeah, we're, we're, we're with you. We're with you, Lord. Okay, well, are you going to obey? See, we kind of buy into this notion that we love God and, and we trust God. We trust God. We just don't want to obey sometimes. And, and God's like, no, those two things are hand in hand. If you say you trust me and you have faith in me, well, then you're going to obey me. We can't separate those things out because then we have a faith that makes no sense. We have a faith that James says is, is with it, without power, is dead, without this obedience. So we need to have a faith that's accompanied by obedience, even in uncertain times. Because here's what happened. When things are going great, we're like, yep, I'm obedient. But when the, the canoe starts rocking, we're like, okay, we've got to take some steps here. Because this obedience thing has caused me to be in this uncertain situation. And so I need to grasp a little bit of this trust in this. And I may need to compromise on some of this obedience stuff in order for us to right our world. And God's like, no, that's not the way it works. So we, the reason God used Abraham is because Abraham believed God even when that canoe was rocking. And even when things were uncertain, he says, I'm still with you. And so it was credited to him as righteousness. Hebrews 11 and verse 1 tells us this. If you want to know what faith is, the Hebrew writer says this. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Okay, we're, we're hoping in the conviction of things not seen. So it starts in our heart and our mind, and we're connected. And so even though our brain tells us we can't actually see this thing, we're certain of something that's unseen. That, that's what faith is. So faith is seeing the invisible while waiting for the impossible. Seeing the invisible in our mind's eye and our hearts are connected, our soul, we see something, not only that God's going to do this, but God's going to do something bigger than what we could do. So we see into the future and our heart is connected with, with something where, okay, something bigger is going to happen than if I grab a hold of these reins. Even though it's uncertain, I'm going to let God keep riding this thing. God keep driving this process. And so faith is seeing the invisible while waiting for the impossible. So Abraham lived a life where he could not see what was to come, but believed that God was in control. So what we're going to see from the life of Abraham this morning is what I call long obedience, long obedience in the same direction. So sometimes when we get all worked up and, and, and boy, we're, we're emotionally, we step forward, I'm going to be faithful, and then we kind of back off for a while, and well, we have these years, the dark years where I wasn't with God. Okay, no, this is, I'm with God faithfully and obediently for a long period of time. That's when God says, okay, now you're ready. 
So we've got to have this repetition of, of time with God, this long obedience. So faith in action is obedience mass, matched with consistency. So how consistent is your faith walk? If you're wondering, well, why didn't God ever tap me on the shoulder? Keep going. Long haul, consistent, long obedience. So as we go through the story, uh, the writer of Genesis, most believe it was Moses, is going to give us some cool stuff. He's going to give us four names of God. It's the same guy all throughout this that's interacting with Abram and then Abraham. But these four names of God are almost going to serve as reservoirs in the desert. They're oasis. And as he's traveling on this journey, he comes upon another oasis at just the right time. The writer is going to say, this is the name of God you need to hear in this moment, in this situation, to meet this need. At the end of our lesson, here's what I want you to be doing and thinking as I'm, I'm preaching, which of these reservoirs do you need to drink of the most? Which of these names of God is that handle you need to grab a hold of as you're sliding down and, and saying, Lord, things are so uncertain. I need this name of you to, to hold on to, to tie off on. Well, Genesis chapter 11 and verse 31, as we get into the text, uh, Abram's father and Abram, by extension, are asked to move out of the city of Ur, Ur of the Chaldees. Now, at the time, Ur was like the economic mecca of, of what's going on in the world at that time. Because you have the Tigris and you have the Euphrates River all coming down to the coastline, and they meet at the Mediterranean Sea, and they're right in the big middle of this fertile valley where all this is happening is Ur. And so it becomes, it's the center of the world. And so there's economic development, you know, it's trade routes, everything is happening. And so you wanted to be here socially, politically, everything, Ur was it. And God says, I know you're enjoying things here. I, I want you to leave. So Abram's like, kind of like it here. I know you do, but I got something better. I want you to leave. And so a Abram is, is kind of worried here. And so the one that asks him is this, Lord presents himself as Yahweh. He said the one that's asking is Yahweh. It's the first name of God. It's a proper name. And it signifies the presence of God. It, it's the name that, that Moses was asked to take before Pharaoh, that I am. I am the God of, of, of the Hebrew nation. I am the God of these people who are asking to let go. I'm with them, and I'm going with them. And so, Abram, as you get ready to leave all that you have, I'm going to be going with you. My presence will be felt with you on this journey and so we also see Yahweh used in, in Psalms 148 to say that God's people have access to Yahweh. In, in Psalms 107 and verse 13, Yahweh is there to provide deliverance. And, and we see in Psalms 31 and verse 3, he's there to provide guidance. So if you're heading out on a journey... Don't you want a God that can provide wisdom and guidance and direction? And because it's an uncertain path where I'm going, and you're asking me to step out, 
I want Yahweh with me to give me this comfort as I go. So, Abram, I want you to get out of your country. I, I want you to leave your family and your father's household and, and the comfort and the wealth and all that it has and your way of life. I want you to take a step and let's get going. It's got to be tough. I want you to get going to land I'm going to show you. And I'm going to be present with you. Has God ever pulled this one on you? Has God ever asked you to get out of a job that's destroying your family? Has God ever asked you to get out of a dating relationship that you and all your friends and family, everyone keeps telling you that relationship is destructive? Has God ever asked you to get out, to cut ties, to move on without showing you what's next? Well, that's when things get, get scary because if I were Abram, I would say, oh, okay, God, I, I know what you're asking me to leave. You're asking me to get rid of, you know, my homeland and how things are set up, my household, my family, to walk away from all that and, and go with you. But Lord, uh, as one door shuts, another one opens. I'm not seeing any opening doors. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yes. The open door is on down the road. You're to walk out of this situation into another. And trust me until that happens. Take that step of faith, knowing that my presence is with you. I, I think sometimes we fail to take that first step for two reasons. Uh, the, the first one is, is this. We don't like uncertainty. We like things that we know. They may not be perfect, but I'd, I at least know what they're going to be. And number two, we don't like change. Right? We, we don't like change. So steps of faith almost always involve change, and it's a new reality. And, and God says, I want you to commit to me regardless of outcome, regardless of whether your situation gets better or worse. I just want you to go in with me and take this step of faith. It, it may be uh, providing some discomfort. I know it's going to bring about some anxiety, and it's going to go through, and, and that anxiety and that comfort, they, they would be much better off if you stayed where you are. But you're not going to take that step of faith. I, I want you to move forward. And we want to say, Lord, here's what I want to do. I want to faithfully walk down the same road I always walk down. And in the same way, in the same manner, and just say, I'm good with God. And God's like, I've got a different road for you to walk down. I, I've got something else I want you to do. And, and God says, do you love me? Or do you love your routine? Do you love your pattern? Do you love the way that you do things? And the Lord is begging us to move off center. And our response is, uh, it's time to watch Judge Wapner. Uh, I, I have my routine. This is how I do things. And I'm happy where I am right now. God says, there's so much more. He says, I, I want to be with you. And, and I want to bless you. So what happens if that's our disposition and we're not ready to move off center? What happens when COVID-19 comes along and we don't have a choice? How many of y'all feel that your apple cart has been knocked over through this whole deal? Yeah, we're, we're like, my routine is different. 
I've got to figure out this whole school thing, where my kids are going to go, how I'm going to do work, if I'm going to have a job, you know, and, and how do I stay healthy? And I'm tired of watching it. All these things mess up our routines. And what we're trying to do is just quickly get back to life as normal. And God says, no, <laughs> We don't like it, church, but God does amazing things during our uncertain times. If we'll let him. Our whole goal can be just get back life as normal, or we can say, God, you got my attention. <laughs> I, I, my routine, I'm off center, <laughs> and I'm floating out here. Where are we going? That's the prayer we should be asking as individuals, as families, and as a church is, Lord, where, where are we going? You, you've knocked us off kilter. What's next for us? So stepping on in faith is not just for the young. We're going to see it's going to happen to a 75-year-old. Genesis 12 and verse 4 says this. Abram says, okay, I'm going. He went. And it says, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He's like, I need to cancel my tea time. I, I mean, what's going on? I'm 75. I'm ready to retire. Do you want me to move? You want me to try something else? And God says, yes, I've got something so much better for you. So stepping out on faith, it, it, it's, it can be at any time in our life. And most times is when we least expect it. Well, they arrive in, in Canaan, and the first thing they do is, is they put their bags down, and they can start building some pens for all their, their cattle and stuff. And then Abram starts walking all throughout the land, and, and he's just going, wow, okay, this is incredible. Now I see why God wanted me to come here. And the Lord says, well, walk throughout the whole breadth and, and length and go over the whole deal. And after he circles back, the first thing he does is he starts gathering stones and wood, and he builds an altar. And he goes, first act on my land here is I want to praise God. I want to lift up. And if people come through and say, what's this? I say, that's an altar to my God. I got here by faith. I never would have got to this place without my Heavenly Father. He's led me here, and I want to lift up regular praise and sacrifice unto Him. And so that, that's what He does. And so He builds this altar, proclaiming the name of God and calling on Him. Well, chapter 15, some years have passed. There's been a famine in the land, and so it forced Abram and Sarai to go on to Egypt, and they had some trouble there, but the Lord blessed them in that. They come back, and, and Lot has moved out from the well-watered uh, plains. He's into Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and they get into kind of a war within the area, and Abram's like, well, I don't have a dog in this fight, but I care about my nephew Lot, and so he gathers some of his servants. They go rescue him. And so it becomes kind of one of these moments. They got Lot and his family out, but they're kind of sitting around going, okay, Lord, this land is pretty, but it's dangerous. Is there really a reason for us being here? Because we thought this whole family thing is going to get going. We don't know what's happening. We appear to be on pause waiting on you. The second name of God is revealed in chapter 15. The Lord comes before him and says, I'm Adonai. He goes, I'm your shield. I'm your protector. You're worried about what's going on around you. Don't think that you're here unguarded. I'm here to watch over. 
it's my will that you're here, so it's my will that I'm going to protect you from what's happening to your left and your right. I've got your back on this. Genesis 15 and verse 1 says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He says, Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. I'm your very great reward. Remember, don't lose heart. I've got you out here. I know that you're not feeling settled, but it's okay. You know, one of the the lies that Satan tells us, sometimes it's before we take a step of faith, but oftentimes it's right after we we get out and we're starting this new life. And Satan's like, you know what? (laughs) You're all alone. You're vulnerable. You're exposed. Why did you step out from here? Your life was going fine. You better get back to where you're less vulnerable, you're less exposed, where you know that life, you don't know this, you're sitting here, you're like, I took this step of faith and nothing is happening. God says, don't believe those lies. I'm with you. I'm your shield. I'm your protector. I'm your great reward. I got your back. I'll protect you. So Abram's like, oh, okay, God, I, I get that and appreciate you having my six, right? And, and, and wow, hey, I've been blessed financially. Wow, I mean, it's just been incredible. Um, but for what? You know, at, at night, I, I tried to tell my wife, Sarah, look at what all God has given us. She just keeps looking to the crib that's empty. We have no air. Lord, are you aware if I were to die right now, everything's going to my servant? Uh, I mean, he's a nice guy. I mean, Eliezer of Damascus. Don't get me wrong, he makes a mean Denver omelet. But, okay, Abram, no, that's not where all this is going to. Trust me, in my timing, you will have an heir that comes. He'll be a biological son. Come here. Get, get out of the house. Sarah, we'll, we'll be right back. Come here. Why don't you look up in the sky? What do you see? I see stars. Abram, I, I, I want you to count them. Okay, one, two, three. No, no. As many as are up there. You don't have to count them. You, you can't. That's as numerous as your family is going to be. You can't see it now. Trust me. Believe in what I'm showing you because it's going to happen. And he believed. And his family kept going. And it was credited to him as righteousness. But still, there. Their heart and their head and their soul are all in conflict because they're like, all right, we're re-upping with you again. But, Lord, we're barren. I I don't think anything is going to happen. And, boy, we've been sitting here for 10 years. And this promise and the excitement that went in on it, well, it's kind of wearing thin. In chapter 16, Sarah, don't, don't you know every day they got together? Okay, tell me exactly what God said. Well, it's number and stars in the sky, and uh, from your, your uh, you know, be a son of your, oh, okay, didn't say anything about me. Why don't you go sleep with my handmaiden, my, my servant from Egypt, Hagar? 
boy, don't you know, as a husband, he's like, ah, is this a trick, right? No, I want you to go do this. I feel like it's God's will. He's like, well, I want to be faithful to God and you, you know? And so he goes and does this. It turns out to be a complete disaster because, in essence, what they're saying is we want to help God out. We think we got the gist of it, God, but maybe the timing's not right. Maybe we missed something in translation. Let us help you bring this thing about. But there's no shortcuts to God's promise. And I look back over my life and, and life of others, and, and you look and go, okay, we tried to help God out. Now we have kind of a second best situation. It's not the life I dreamed of because we've taken these shortcuts. But maybe that was God's blessing all along. And God's like, no, that's not. We'll work with this going forward, and life's not perfect. But I had so many dreams for you in your life if you just remain faithful. Ishmael became a constant reminder and a heartache of getting out in front, in front of and ahead of God. So chapter 17, fast forward. Abram is now 99. He's getting ready to hit the, the three, three digits there. His, Sarai, his, his wife, is, well, she's 89. Uh, and God came to Abram uh, first, and he says, uh, I'm Yahweh, I'm with you. He goes, yeah, I remember that one. That, that was awesome. Adonai can be a shield and protector. Yeah, uh, well, I appreciate you protecting us, but we're sitting out here and just kind of counting sheep and, and raising uh, this, this child that's kind of been a heartache and, and Hagar and some of the friction there. Lord, we don't know if you have the power to do what you're saying. And God says, let me present myself to you. My name is El Shaddai. I'm the almighty God. And nothing, including having a child given to senior citizens at 190 is beyond me. Nothing is beyond my power, my control, my ability. And let it be a living testimony to you. Even allowing this to happen. Just sit back and watch. And then he changes their name and he changes their identity. He's like, Abram, I, I know that, that your name means exalted father and you're wondering about that. Let me change your name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. Because your vision for your life, your vision of what I can do if I've got you in my hands is too small, is going to get much larger. Let me give you a dream that is God-sized. A promise that's going to last throughout all of eternity. A promise will not expire. And sure enough, God comes through Genesis 21 and verse 2. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abram in his old age. And at that very time, God had promised him. Finally, he had a son. And as people come through, it's like, is that your great-grandson? No. Is that your grandson? No. It's, it's my boy. Really? Let me tell you about the power of my God at age 100. This is my child. I can't pick him up, but God gave me this child. It's awesome. So it becomes this, this becomes this comical thing. And so we're going to name him Isaac, which means laughter, because God just has a sense of humor at things. The joy was short-lived. One chapter later, God says, hey, Abraham, I want you to take your son to a mountain that I'm going to show you um, and offer him up as a sacrifice. 
I'm sure Abraham's like, oh, oh, hold on, God, I think I missed something there. Uh, I think you said, take my son Isaac to go with me as we sacrifice. No, no, I, I want him to be your sacrifice. Are you kidding me? God, he asked me to leave my family. He asked me to leave all of my country and the household and all of that. And I did that. I, I followed you out here. Lord, from the time that you got involved in my life, you made me wait 25 years for a child. <laughs> no, he's, he's here. He's the apple of my eye. And now you want me to go up and sacrifice him. Know why God didn't wait to test Abraham and Sarah until after they had had a, a second child? They wanted to see what do you do with the first. They wanted to see through all of this, if you're going to be the father of this great nation, am I still number one or is this child? They didn't hesitate. God, we've been with you all along. We don't understand this journey. Our life has been marked by uncertainty, but we're with you no matter what. No matter what people may say about us, if we leave and we don't come back with this child of promise, we don't know what our story is going to be, but it's going to be a story of faithfulness. Our God, the one we built this altar for, he asked us to do this, and so we're honoring him. We're going to step out and do this. God has always been you. God will often test us to see if he can trust us with more. We don't like it when God does this. But God wants to know what level we're all in so he can determine how much he can use us throughout our lives. It's a parable of the talents. God gives you some a little, some a little bit more, some a lot. And it's not the amount he gives us. It's what do you do with it? God's like, this is a little test because I've got some other stuff. I'm not going to turn you loose with this because I know where your heart is. And oftentimes, God figures out what that thing is that has the potential to get in the way of him. And God says, are you willing to offer that up? So off the head is Abraham and Isaac, a couple of the servants, and they're going up. And once again, he doesn't know where. God says, well, I'll show you. And then I don't know if it's like, um, it's real cloudy one day, and then all of a sudden, right in the big mill, it opens up, and there's a mountain. That everything else is dark, and Abraham's like, okay, that's, Abraham's like, that's where we're going. Guys, I want you all the way here. It's just going to be me and Isaac to keep going. And so Isaac, as they're climbing up, he's kind of, okay, see, we've, we've got fire, good. We've got wood, good. We've got a big old knife, good. good. Dad, where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? He said, the Lord will provide. And as he bound up his son on the altar and laid him up there, I don't know if he closed his eyes, if he said a prayer, but he lifted up that big knife. And as it's starting to go down, the angel of the Lord stopped it and said, don't harm your boy. Here I am. Don't lay a hand on him. And Abraham is like, Lord, I'm, I'm here. I did exactly what you had me to do. So Abraham, Abraham passed down for his son ultimate obedience and showed, my dad's willing to do this. 
Buster, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know how I would have looked at my dad, but I would know this, that God was more important than me. And boy, what a powerful way to set up your family when your kids know that our Heavenly Father is more important than they are. Because I tell you, the family gets turned on end when it's not that way. The Lord will provide. What is your response? You're, when we find ourselves in these situations, and God asks us to do this, I think there's a direct tie-in with our fear of the Lord and our faith in the Lord. And we, as a movement, have discovered grace and praise the Lord that we have. We've discovered forgiveness. We've discovered that Jesus provides our salvation and not us, and not following a pattern, not doing these things to make ourselves right with God, praise the Lord. But that doesn't mean that we miss out and we disregard the fear of the Lord, that we align our lives with God and His will. But we know that grace is available. That doesn't mean that we just go and sin and, and, and depart from everything that we grew up doing. No, our, our fear ties in with our faithfulness. But there's a ram caught in the thicket, and Abraham called that place the fourth name of God, Jehovah-Jireh. God will provide. And so in that moment of, of his greatest faith test, God stepped forward. He stopped the hand, and he provided the sacrifice there. But Abraham passed the test. He did not withhold anything from God. So our question this morning is, what would be there on that altar? You don't have to. Uh, most of us who figure out what would be there, and usually it's family. Maybe it's a career. I, I don't know. Are you willing to put it up on that altar? In these uncertain times, I, I ask us, because each of us are at different places in our faith journey, which of these names do you need to, to tap into? What, what's the reservoir that you need to, to get down and, and cup your hands and, and keep drinking of at this point in your life? Is it Yahweh that I felt like I've been doing life on my own way too long? I need you with me. So you drink of, of the reservoir of Yahweh. Others are Adonai. Boy, uh, I feel like I'm under spiritual attack, Lord. I need you to know that you're my shield and protector as I step out in, in faith because I feel like I'm about to start retreating back to my old life because this life of faith is too difficult. Others are like El Shaddai. Um, I've got a situation that I can't figure out. I don't have the power to do that. I don't have the ability. I need a miracle from the all-powerful and almighty God El Shaddai steps forward and says, I'm your guy. Or is it Jehovah Jireh? I don't know where it's going to come from. I have nothing left. And God's like, that's when I work best is when you've got nothing left. Let me provide for you. Where are you this morning? Truth be told, we don't have to choose between those reservoirs. We get all four. Amen. We get all four. God's like, 
in every season of your journey, every step along this way of faith, this long pathway of constant obedience, I'm going to be there for you. Sometimes you're going to need some Jehovah Jireh. Other times you're going to need some El Shaddai. I'm here with you, Yahweh. My presence is always going with you and before you. Every name of God is accessible to us right now. All he asks for us is to trust and obey. This morning, if you're ready to take a step, maybe it's that first step of baptism saying, okay, I need God's presence with me always. I need his spirit to indwell me as I get rid of all of my sins through the sacrifice of Jesus. We want to make that happen. There's also a place here over to the side where you can write in your response if you need prayer requests, if you want to be a part of this, this fellowship, this family. Whatever we can do to help, come now as we stand and as we sing.